Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 84 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector, um, who has a pop figure there. Are, are you going to speak only in rhymes today? Some of the times, eh? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're just Canadian. Okay, that's fine. This that's is racist. Good. It's that's excuse me. My last name is Poirier. I'm actually French Canadian. <laughs> sure, sure. <sighs> fine. This is fine. Uh, so, yeah, we're back. Sorry. Uh, I got I got distracted by the day job last time and I, I have let this I have failed this city. Our formal uh, apology is it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Yeah. Doubt a dope beat to step two. Mm. It's good. I guess that means we just have to do the podcast now. Yes. That's all we got. All right. Well, that's all. We, you know what? That, it, it means, yeah. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next on. I caught handsome checks for my expansion sets. They call me Obi-Wan. I feel like I've missed so much and I have looking through the pile of comics I have, but on today's episode, I feel like I missed a lot, but also still struggled to find five books. I like so common themes of the podcast that Hector and Chris talk about is it's been so long, but also what the crap? Um, Yeah. But today on the pull list, we do have a wonderful show for you. Uh, We're going to hit the latest news uh, that you need to know. Our must-pull recommendations out of that dismally small pile um, from the past two to three, possibly four weeks, because I also finally got a book I told you all to read, and then I couldn't get, and then I finally got. So we're going to talk about it. Um, Our favorite new number ones, and spoiler alert, I was kind of shocked by mine. Um, So save it for the podcast, and we'll talk a little bit about that later as well. But this is the Polis Podcast. See, all those wonderful pregnant pauses as we give our sound engineer space for the audio version of this. Well, everyone on YouTube's like, what are they waiting for? I think he edits the YouTube as well. Oh, does it? Well, then you don't get to see the awkward pauses that... Um, we sit here and go leaving space for transition. No, because like that when we were having the previous editing conversation, I'm pretty sure he said he actually clips the YouTube as well. Dope. Well, then that means you don't get to see all the awkwardness, and you know, see if if I was producing this, you'd see all the awkwardness. Right, I don't you'd, care. You'd don't see care. the awkwardness. Maybe we should start a Patreon, and that's like the extra, and we just send the bits that get cut out. Not the whole thing, just the bits. Well, I think we should get a Patreon just to pay Matt. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> um, good ideas. Write that down. Um, so there is some news. Okay, so I had I struggled a little bit in searching through the bins of stuff. We've had a, f- I mean, C two E two did happen, but since we recorded, news. yeah, I kind of hit the other side of C two E two and went, okay. Um, 
I don't know if that's a trend for this year. Um, C2E2 generally has some stuff because they generally front end a lot of things. Them and Emerald City usually, you know, get a lot of stuff to like start the process of the season. And then we'll fall into San Diego and, you know, New York sits on the far end of the summer that hasn't even happened yet. But yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, C2E2 happened. Dope. Um but didn't see a lot of news come out. So not a lot to report out of the other side of C2E2, but April Fool's Day did occur during our break, Um, you know, or also known as the day that you basically should believe nothing on the internet, which is especially special because that's probably true most days. (laughs) Um, But then April 1st rolls around and is like, don't worry, got you fam. This should be so absurd that you will not possibly believe this. And yet here we are. So last year and even before that, but last year we were kind of introduced to the idea of bad idea comics, uh, which is a lot of the former folks at that came out of Valiant after Valiant was purchased in a big thing. And they shook really hard and a bunch of executives fell out the other side and Valiant still trying to figure out what they're doing with their lives. Um, But bad idea was literally formed kind of as a joke but also kind of not really as a joke because those dudes really wanted to keep making cool comics about cool things and when they did one of their first shows last year around april 1st they introduced bad idea donuts and i think they were at a south carolina show somewhere and i think they did it again at a south carolina show this time around um you could literally buy bad idea comics donuts um or be gifted them and they had cool branding and all that for their bad idea donuts and everything and you got them if you found them at the convention and they revived it and they did it again and i just think that's hilarious um because a tasty treats are wonderful and b that's solid marketing on the hey we're kind of here we really don't know what we're doing here's some comics and here's some donuts that's one of my favorite is a uh, cooper and cooper andrews the guy who plays uh, the dad and Shazam and uh, Jerry in The Walking Dead, he makes uh, homemade peach cobbler before each con, <laughs> and he he puts it on his Instagram and everything. And if you go meet him at his booth, he'll serve you fresh hot peach cobbler and talk to you while you eat it. Then you can move on. Then you can then you can leave. Well, it's like you know most celebrity things. You're like zip zap in and out. And then with him, it's like, let's talk. Let's eat some cobbler. Let's enjoy some of this wonderful cobbler. And then he's like, all right, side hug. Peace out. (laughs) Thanks for coming for the cobbler conversation and deuces. I respect that. It's like the comedians and cars getting coffee, except it's like uh, con goers at a convention getting cobbler. Getting cobbler and conversations. Mm. Mm. Um, that's some deep life stuff right there. So I I respect I respect the hustle. But yeah, so those crazy fools over at Bad Idea continue to have terrible ideas and keep producing comics from a cross section of creators that still dumbfounds me. And their distribution bottle is still direct to the shops that do business with them. It's usually you can't get their stuff online unless it's secondary and good on them. Uh, I, I respect the hustle. Um, I've always loved Dinesh and his hustle and love for the comic book industry. So him basically continuing to 
very gently and not so gently tell the comic book industry where they can put it. Um, well, getting his point across is is my favorite place. I'm not going to lie. So I, I love to see those guys continue to grow and do wonderful things. And also that if they're not with Dinesh and team at bad uh, idea, a lot of the former Valiant folks that kind of shook out are now finding homes at other um, places like Oni, Boom, etc. And it's you, you can follow the tendrils of those that served at Valiant in the before times um just impacting the industry in all kinds of cool ways so shout out to all you guys keep being cool for all of the guys at bad idea and valiant that listen to our podcast <sighs> hey look <laughs> I, I have to ask matt Sh- if, if shout out does. mural street <laughs> <laughs> or there's a couple of those dudes i just should have come hang out with us because some yes. of them some of the, like matt might be willing to come have a a publisher distributor side conversation. He was in sales at Valiant and he's at um, Penguin Random House now um, as part of that whole distributorship type thing. So he might be fun to kind of have a deep dive conversation on that. For those of you that are interested in, you know, this distributorship process and basically the fact that more distributors other than Diamond showed up in the last three years, um, that could be fun. So yeah, I'll work on that. Matt's a fun dude. Um, so what else do I got? Oh, Marvel news. Marvel news that you might not have known that you needed. Are you ready? I, wow. Uh, all right, let's do it. What do you think of when you hear the words X-Men Days of Futures Past? The classic storyline and uh, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good that's a good combo. I respect that. Um, right. For a lot of X-Men fans, um, Days of Futures Past was one of those, you know, high watermarks in the series. You know, you got Dark Phoenix, Days yeah. Days of Futures Past. Like there's lots of these points on God the Loves road. Man Kills. Mm-hmm. That there there are high points in the X-Men arc that make us go, hmm. And of course they gave us a movie. Um well. In the comic book world, when you've run out of ideas or you just need to shake a little more no. money from the money tree. <laughs> I told no. you I didn't think you were ready. Not a Days of Future Past 2. Don't don't tell me that's what you're about to say. It is X-Men Return to Days of Futures Past. Dot dot. Doomsday. They could have done better just calling it X-Men Doomsday, bro. Right? Right. It has, oh. some, it has something to do with the backwards and forwards part of the whole time jumpy multiversey i mean stuff. the backwards and forwards part of their decision making yeah this is terrible <laughs> and here we are um maybe maybe this was announced at c2e2 and that's why i didn't have c2e2 next to the news thing because everyone was like stop it <laughs> um it comes out in july so technically it is part of x-men summer i suppose it counts as an event um but we will see that in July. So for your X-Men fans that are currently we'll happy in July, someone will see it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yet again, it throws me in that space of, well, I guess I have to read it. Some of you are lucky that I am here to spend money on comic books so that you don't have to. You're welcome. It doesn't matter. Todd's going to spend money on them anyway. That's fair. Todd's going to. Maybe we should have him do all of our Marvel reviews and we can save money. That's fair. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> meeting with Todd. 
about doing all of our Marvel work for us, except for Daredevil. If you're on the uh, LTN community, Todd most frequently does the, uh, hey, what did everybody get this week posts? Yes, he, he has taken up the torch where I have again failed the city. <laughs> he does it well, though, but he yes, also he, he also buy by my full visual of it. He buys more than either of us buy. Yes. No, I thought I had a problem and that I was doing it to maintain for this show. And then some people remind me that you could, in fact, buy every comic book at the comic book store on Wednesday and Tuesday. So but just based on Todd's picture in my mind, he buys at least 16 books a week. That's probably fair. I probably was around there. Well, no, I'm not there per week. I used to be. Um, but I appreciate it because there's quite often I'll see him post something and be like, oh, I should go get that. Yeah, we do usually circle back. So our audience benefits because Todd spends a lot. Again, thank you, Todd. <laughs> our community loves you. Um, yes. On my final two pieces of news is once for you. Um, and one is for kind of both of us, but the first one is CBR just points out the one thing that a lot of folks either have noticed over the years, or I'm about to lay down some education. And that is that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license crosses over with a ton of other licenses and have for years. Right. Um, we get the TMNT and Batman TMNT. And I think they did a Ghostbusters because same house. So that one was easy. They did turtles. Um, or I mean, uh, uh, Power Rangers. Yeah. Power Rangers. Same thing. All the IPs that are generally in the house. The Batman one was an out of house thing, but was still pretty cool. D didn't they do Transformers too? Yes. Cause okay. again, <laughs> um, I'm sensing a trend of who owns licenses. Um, but here's the thing. Historically, they actually sell incredibly well. Some of them, the like the Turtles Batman book was really good. I enjoyed it. It was good. And the animated movie is probably one of the best animated movies. So a lot of CBR and I guess us are now asking the question of how they how they do that, because almost everyone buys it for nostalgia, no matter what. Or hmm, that sounds delightful. Um, and it is. And they just continue to crush it. So the next one coming out and it's coming out this summer, which again proves that somebody owns a calendar and is paying slightly attention. Um, it is TMNT Street Fighter. Um, right. <laughs> Things that make you go. Hmm. But um, the new Street Fighter also should be coming out. Yeah. Street um, Fighter six drops moderately soon. Right. So um, again, like I said, a marketing manager with a calendar um, ha has done a good but it's just this gentle reminder of it may sound dumb now, but I bet you their scans after that week are probably pretty great. And if they, I haven't, it wasn't in the article, but if they happen to drop like a code or something in that, cause like DC did the Fortnite ones as well and did that and sold right. through them like before they did it. Um, that's, that's, that's smart. SMRT. Um, so yeah, if you don't think the turtles will cross over with your thing, I I challenge you to wait because at some point someone is going to own the license to it and you will see that crossover and you will buy that book. I don't write the rules. The Internet tells us you will buy it. Ninja Turtles and Letter Kenny. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Jonesy and Riley and Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Raphael with Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. No, <clears throat> that makes sense. And just. Random with the skids and then off off panel comments from Shorzy. 
Yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, figured out. Every time Splinter tries to give them a vision, <laughs> Shorzy just chimes in. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Chris has been, podcast. Yeah, Chris has been watching a lot of Letter Kenny lately, and that came up before we recorded today. So apologies. Um, final thing is for you um, because you do enjoy you some Gail Simone. I do love some Gail Simone. I know. And so occasionally when I'm looking through news, I think about you as my delightful co-host. You're welcome. Um, Gail Simone had done, she, I feel like it's been more than once, but she's done time on Red Sonja. Um, she has said that she really enjoys the character of Red Sonja. Um, so much so that someone talked her into writing a novel. Okay. Right. So I know that Red Sonja is not necessarily your jam. <laughs> no, um, it's not even my, it's not even my preserve. Right. It's 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 kind of random, but I guess Gail always does interesting things with historical female characters. And so I'm guessing that's kind of what drew her into this space. But yeah, in summer of next year, so 2024, there will be a full length novel um, coming out of that IP that is all Gail. I'm going to see if I can like talk her down to just do a secret six novel instead, but okay, cool. I mean, I feel like if you just tweet at her anything secret six and how delightful it was and that we deserve more, she's going to react positive to lead to that. Cause I feel, cause I feel like Twitter has been doing that pretty much nonstop recently and none of Twitter or you are wrong about that. Right. 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 Correct. And don't we all kind of get the vibe that the movies are gently leaning in that direction anyway? Well, most, a lot of DC property movies have been secret six movies. Right. Um, just with different characters. That's fair. Like, um, a lot of the first suicide, yeah, dude, it's just, yeah. <laughs> just said, yeah, true story. Mm -hmm. But from my quick look at the news, those were my major things. I don't know if I missed anything that, you think we should talk about why doesn't Gail Simone have a blue check mark? Probably because she doesn't want to pay the eight dollars or whatever. Some people are like straight up in the I'm not I'm not playing your games, Elon. Yeah, but she she could she, she should have had one for free already. I, she, she a lot's it. been going on there. I don't know if the free thing continued or if it's actually gone away now or oh, I no, can't it, keep, it I did. Can't, I can't keep up. There's just too much going on there. Dear Gail Simone, <laughs> you please stand by on the podcast. Well, if she, Hector if she, if she, if Hector literally does this right now, I am literally doing this. Uh, All right. So Hector doesn't have any additional news. I guess the only quick hits, uh, the Disney fired their MCU head of operations. Um, Shazam underperformed in the box office, which made me very sad. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Badly um and it was fun it was good my i was talking to my kids last night because we've watched in the past like week we've watched uh shazam 2 dungeons and dragons and mario brothers and i had them rank them and mm. uh everybody agreed that mario was the most fun and the best watch um my kids were divided over uh where shazam fell in terms of dungeons and dragons they said that shazam was a better movie but dungeon dragons was more fun interesting and that's just my kid's take, you know, yeah. whatever. But I enjoyed it. But I'm also like uh, tatted on my chest, Zachary Levi fanboy. So it's like, yeah, whatever. that's definitely true. I, it's hard for me to go un unbiased. But yeah. 
So we're adding a segment to the podcast that is Hector's children hot take on movies. Yes. That's what I heard. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm going to add my, have my 10 year old come in and like awkwardly say things. Right. And it'll be a hot take. Good. I dig it. Uh, well, that's what you need to know. Maybe some things that you didn't, um, but that's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of our and your nerdy friends at the Love Thy Nerd Discord, which Hector actually participates in now. Um, and I don't have time to participate in. I don't know. I see you guys. I see you. I see you. I don't see you. That's I get fair. lost. There's so many notifications and it's, <laughs> right. there's so many channels and it looks like I'm staring at the matrix and I get sad. <laughs> it is the matrix, <laughs> but don't worry about it. Um, and if that's too much, we occasionally hang out on the LTN um, community on the book of faces, which is still a thing apparently. So tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed. And we might've, it's been four weeks this time. You are listening to the Polis podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I watched WrestleMania this weekend, and there were moments that were great. There was a lot of fun stuff that happened, but one of my favorite moments through the whole experience was a snafu, a problem, an issue, where uh, Snoop Dogg, Miz, and Shane McMahon had an altercation. Uh, Snoop Dogg sent uh, Shane McMahon to battle on his behalf against Miz, and, you know, that was just fun idea to experience. But in the process, Shane McMahon injures himself. He, in real life, he injures himself, he tears his quad, and he's left lying there on the ground, not able to get up, and 81,000 people watching it, they turn the cameras away, and The Miz is just standing there, and somebody needs to do something. Now, if you've seen how big the stadium is and everything else, it would take any of the other wrestlers like four minutes to get there. So, Snoop Dogg gets in the ring... And to take the heat off of Shane and to keep things going, he comes up and punches the Miz in the face. And then follows through with a, once he knocks him down, you get to see Snoop Dogg do the people's elbow, the Rock's signature move, and cover him. And, you know, the simple reality is there was a problem. Shane McMahon ended up being helpless at a very vulnerable time, I might add, and somebody needed to rise up and help. Now, I get that this is sports entertainment. I get that this is not a real-life scenario, and no, Snoop Dogg didn't save anyone's life in this situation, but he did help someone helpless when that was needed. And Scripture reminds us that that's what we're called to do. Proverbs 31 verse 9 says, Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless. And see that they get justice. Now, we're going to meet people in our lives that are going to need a lot more help than just a distracted fight. But when we see people that are in need, even if it's not necessarily our responsibility, we should rise up to help if we have any capacity to do so. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on 
LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai. I tweeted Gail Simone. Stay tuned for progress. Yeah, stay tuned later in the episode for whether we get a like, a retweet, or a response. Um, If we hear Hector randomly scream and giggle in the next 15 to 20 minutes, we'll know. That should just be a podcast, too, where we... like. (laughs) sit there and, and just fire things into the Twitterverse. And fire, <laughs> fire. We could like have people take money and polls to, and like be like over which celebrity is going to respond first. And we each take 10 celebrities per podcast to see who we can get to reply first. Coming this summer, Chris and Hector do the internet. It'll be a live stream event. That'd be fun. We're just we're, we're just gonna have to claim it right now. It's happening. So stay Ooh-wee. tuned. Ooh-wee. Stay tuned, America. Merca. Merca. Um, so yeah, let's let's give the people what, what they've been waiting for and what we've been reading and why we've been reading it or why we haven't been reading it. I don't think we have heavens this week. Um we're mostly positive this week, except for the fact that I've got a whole pile of negatives on my floor right now. <laughs> I mean, right. Um, I'm not saying of, there I'll... weren't negatives, but we found enough positives that we either didn't skip this time or we didn't have to share a book. Fair. Um, Fair. And, and I, I, I had some possibilities that could have filled some gaps too. So, but yeah, so this is a better, this is a better time, but to be fair, to be to fair, be fair I, this is also four weeks worth of material. <sighs> That is also true. If this had been two weeks worth of material, there might have been some some sad days. But carry on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, please, after you, good sir, if you will, tell Okey-doke. tell the wonderful people about the got. comic books that you enjoyed. Let's see. Okay, first off, I'm going to start off with a uh, Gotham City Year One Issue Six. Now, I've I've been a fan of some of these throughout the whole thing, and. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I missed issue five. Like, I don't think I, it was at my shop. I never saw it there. And I was there weekly this whole time. So I think they missed an order. It got damaged. Never got whatever. Don't you um, hate it when that happens? It does. I do. And because like, I thought hmm. I thought there was like a delay. Um, but either way, uh, this is uh, basically a, like at, at the retrospect, this is actually a gotham city origin story um and the fact that you're dealing with um bruce's great grandparents or grandparents are the main characters of the story um no it's a it's thomas's mom so grandparents um uh you're dealing with uh thomas's mom okay and uh like so that era so 50s 60s in that period but slam bradley who is a long-term dc detective um is the main good name right (laughs) so good Um, 1950s noir slam bradley you gotta say it like you're uh still getting the whiskey out of slam bradley like (laughs) like uh uh what's the the sports guy from anchorman um (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> <Where are me? laughs> um 
Like, it's Slam Bradley. There. Sorry for all the peaked uh, audio, Matt. Um, I'm not. That was worth it. (laughs) Gotham City Year One. Uh, It's basically so uh, Thomas's or like Bruce's grandparents had a child go missing, an infant. Grandparents. Okay. Yeah. So it would have been uh, hit Bruce's aunt. Okay. Like, like down the run, Bruce's grandparents have a child go missing. Um, and it's an infant and Slam Bradley is hired to investigate it and it all goes to crap. Um, to there where there's literally race riots in Gotham over stuff that happens and deep rooted plots and twists. But, uh, it also shows that like the Waynes were twisted to begin with. And so the story reverts a back. Lot and- of, a lot of writers really like to get, that seems to be a theme over the last couple of years of the, yeah, Bruce's family kind of sucked. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like with the Batman movie that, you know, Martha was in, you know, an asylum and everything else. And this honestly plays heavily to that vibe. They don't even address Thomas and Martha over the other than the fact that Thomas is born. Um, but uh, so, the story culminates with slam, I guess, in hospice care, telling Bruce this whole story. Okay. And he's talking about the patterns and how it really didn't run through all of Gotham and how Gotham's always been corrupt. And it ties back to the Wayne family. And Batman's like, why are you telling me this? He's like, it's a story that needed to be told. Cause it's about, the, <laughs> it, cause it's about the numbers, Mason. What? Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. Um, you know, outside it was a Tom King book and it reads like a Tom King book. But honestly, there is half the time I was reading this. I forgot it was Tom King. Um, like I stopped buying this. I stopped buying this because it was a Tom King book and s- continued buying it just because it was a good story. So halfway through. I, it, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, because I'll buy a Tom King book because it's a Tom King book. This was just a good story. So there you go. Uh, another one is a uh, Doom Patrol number one. And I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I bought this because of the cover. Uh, <laughs> cause of the, cause of the gorilla. Uh, so there's a, um, the cover is says, uh, who will Jane be today? Oh, you got a good cover. You didn't get the other cover. Yeah. 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 Who, but I didn't realize it until it was already in my pile. The mirror is scratch off. <gasps> so it's not just one cover. Oh no. Thank you. DC. There's a whole series of scratch off covers where there's a different Jane. Oh no. I literally had this conversation with somebody recently about when Marvel, when Marvel used to do this, a Deadpool book did this back in the day. And I remember just all of us wanted to murder because people came into the store and were like flipping through our books. And it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) It's like, I clearly did not get to that corner of the internet today. Um, And then you find out that a, it's technically a B cover, but there are multiple variations of it, which means it technically ends up being a ratio variant. And how dare you? Yes. But this so, is clever because you got to buy it. <laughs> you got to buy it. Because uh, if you scratch this off the cover in the, sh- in the shop, you're going to get like in trouble. Um, <laughs> no, you you will you will get tackled by multiple employees. <laughs> um, They'll be like, no. But so I bought this mainly for the cover because I, my middle child's name is Bella Jane, but I call her Jane. Uh, and I wanted to give her just this so she could like sit this on her shelf. Honestly, was it um, reading the comic? It was actually pretty dope. Um, uh, Jane is acting as chief now. She has her own chief persona. Ooh. 
So this is basically the actual Doom Patrol show team plus a little furry creature that makes you do fight or flight. Um, and so you've got that team that you're familiar with in this scenario, but they go to Gotham. And so the whole time Cliff is like, I hate Gotham. I hate Gotham. I hate Gotham. And they roll up there and Batman is like trying to do his Batman stuff. And Jane's like, shut up. I'm in charge. We know what we're doing. We're better than you. And they literally get to a point where they talk Batman into a standstill. Um, and this was a fun book. So there's that. Like I bought it for a cover was pleasantly surprised by the content. Um, so if you like Doom Patrol at all, this is one of the least deep dives of a Doom Patrol book you're going to ever have. Because literally, if you're familiar with just from the trailers of the characters from the show, you're good. That's that's good because Doom Patrol is one of those books that the getting the on ramps to Doom Patrol can be very daunting. <laughs> yes. And like Space Case ended up in, you know, the newer seasons. Yep. But like still weird for some folks. Yeah. Uh, and so almost... I'd say six out of eight of the Batman one bad day books have ended up in my pulls. Most yep. of them have. So the Ra's al Ghul one, and this, I was not looking forward to this one. I wasn't dreading it, but I'm also not very quickly impressed by a Ra's al Ghul story. Yeah. What's a bad day for Ra's al Ghul? Like his entire life kind of sucks. <laughs> well, that's what it is. And, uh, it goes through a lot of his origin stuff, which was interesting. Uh. Um, so you get some origin, you get some backstory. Um, but the short version is, um, yeah, I'll say this. Um, it's been long enough. Uh, they do the typical cat and mouse, Batman, Ra's al Ghul thing. I can save the world if I kill all these people. No, you can't because it's evil. Um, don't do evil. So right there in front of Damien, Ra's al Ghul kills Batman. Look, Damien already had a bad gig. <laughs> right. Um, no, dude, it's rough. So, like, literally, there's a point where Ra's al Ghul straight kills Batman. And Damien pulls his cow off of his face to try and cover his face with his tears. As he screams, I will, I will never stop until I've destroyed you, grandfather, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> he's like, whatever. You're Damien. No, you uh, don't. And so, he's like, dude, shut up. And then... With Batman dead, basically Roz holds on to Batman's body. Yeah, that checks out. Um, he holds on to Batman's body, kills all the people that he's plotted in the world have to die for the world to be better. And then lets him bring Batman back. Also Roz Hogul. Right. Nothing stays dead around the League of Shadows. And Right. So, but the thing was, Ra's al Ghul spent the time finding uh, evil people with good people under them. And he so he only killed people where good would rise into the situation. And so his plot worked and like, you know, he literally made the world a better place, but he had to kill Batman and then basically get killed in return by Damien. I think it was by Damien. Um, and then go into it, hiding or something. It, it kind of missed the poetic point if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, the, that was, you know, just an interesting thing, you know, and then they do like the off into the shadows. Cool. But like, literally it just said, you know what, dude, if you get out of my freaking way, I could save the world. Goodbye. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the one more day for him. And then this was the struggle bus. Cause the, I struggled between Batman or uh, night or dark nights of steel or, you know, they had some other options that were 
definitely the bottom of my pull list, but not the worst thing I've read. Mm-hmm. Zadarsky's Batman. This is another, you know, he's in a multiverse. He's trying to figure out his crap, which to, to put the point in again, Dawn of DC, almost every DC book right now is I'm in the vol- multiverse. Where am I? Which evil version of me am I punching in the face right now? Like all of them. I've not seen this, but this is what Chris says. So you can trust Chris. I've been reading the Superman side because it's been at least somewhat interesting, but like Superman um, and the, and the John Kent thing is literally which multiverse am I in? Which version of myself am I punching? Which version of dad am I punching? Um, <laughs> and I'm like, right. The dawn of DC is here. I got it. <laughs> so multiverse. Uh, we find out that the red mask in this multiverse where Bruce is trying to put his crap together is actually the Joker. Right. Um, but he is a completely sane version of that human. But through something that happened, he got a glimpse of who he is in the other multiverse. Yeah. And so he's sad that he's not an insane clown with, and also lacks a posse. And so he uh, decides to <laughs> slow burn. Uh, no, I, I was there, but I was just like, did he just No, Okay. Yep. Carry I on. made an ICP reference. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm just a gigolo um, juggalo, whatever that was. Yeah. Word is. But at the same time, I saw something recently that also made the following point. Is it really necessary to point Let's out say, that you're it, insane it's, clown posse? Right, Cause if you're a clown posse, you're already, you're, insane. you're already insane. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Internet. I, I said that to some friends as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, so it was just a, a romp of back and forth with, with that guy. But what threw me off is uh, like uh, Batman gets his hand cut off. Oh yeah. There was some in, in books that are already weird. It's just like, Oh yeah. By the way, <laughs> Yeah, they're just us like, but I'm like, this is still Bruce proper, even if he's in a multiverse. Um, Did you just cut Batman's hand off? Um, (laughs) Did that happen? Because like, I don't know if you remember, there was a season where Alfred got his hand cut off and then we're just like, pretend that didn't happen. Like, maybe that's the joke. Maybe that is. I don't know. But either way, this was not the worst book I read out of the books I read. This was the bottom of the best. There we go. How about you? (laughs) The bottom of the best was Batman getting his hand cut off. Yes. And that that literally was why it made it to the bottom of the best because it threw me off. Okay. That's, that's fair. I can, but okay, fine. Um, it, it surprised my expectations. So it made it to the list. That's fair. I mean, I at least found that conversation interesting of the sane Joker foil being like, because he's still kind of frightening in the fact that he's still intelligent. It's just he's not unpredictable. And I guess that's the part that's interesting. And he's like, I wish I was crazy because then, you know, this would at least be fun. I don't know. It's weird. And that's how one transitions to let's talk about Rogue and Gambit and their love story <laughs> over at Marvel um, because Chris is still 100% going to read this book. Just because it exists Um, and because look at that cover. Look at it. Listen, 12 year old me doesn't need another image of Rogue for the rest of my life. (laughs) I have them. They are burned into my cerebral cortex. Um, I'm there. You're good. I mean, maybe. But it's exactly what you kind of expect this book to be. I think I said it about the first one as well is there are no punches pulled in a book that is titled rogue and gambit. Um, 
though there's some interesting things going on, at least in the story now, and that's that both of them have lost their powers. Oh, hey. Right. So the mm. relationship side of that is part of that conversation um, because, you know, Rogue's whole uh, get dead if you touch me thing is is kind of a thing. Um, but Gambit basically not being able to do any of his cool tricks um, or anything basically just makes him a really, really punny French guy and eh. racists. Uh, but Black Panther shows up. <laughs> no idea why black panther shows up and he's attacking them like black panther does apparently to x-men lately um why i don't it's it's i'm uh, did you read this book i did read it but at the same time this is the problem i have with a lot of things especially when that type of thing happens my brain's like i don't think i care (laughs) because it shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing oh yeah yeah this is this is black panther stuff of it ties together with some of the marauder stuff that's going on but basically black panther's like you're gonna try to steal stuff that's bad and i'm supposed to stop you to do that and that's literally what black panther did to moon knight when moon knight was like getting beat up by the entire avengers because he's like wait stop no um when they all were technically trying to do good things but yeah why you do this marvel that said it's still kind of it's still a really well-drawn book um it's very nostalgia feels for how x-men looked in the 90s and i guess that's what hector was talking about before but yeah marvel got me to spend money on something and i literally had that conversation with my comic book shop owner of i want to give marvel money and they keep putting books in front of me that make me go no <laughs> well absolutely I, not <laughs> on that note i also bought daredevil i also bought a punisher i also bought marauders i want daredevil to get good again i said is it. the darsky still doing it yeah come on bro the art side changed and i got to admit that the last two issues which i think was the art team change pulled me out a little bit and i don't like it when art does that to me um I will say that if you're reading these or you're thinking about it, Daredevil and Punisher both ended with the Avengers coming and capturing them both respectively. Right. Because lots of crazy stuff is coming because summer's coming and that's when we forget everything that's going on and do whatever um, the master plan says for everybody to do for the summer. And we'll get back to doing real things in the fall. Or Oh, and did you catch Foggy's dead? Yeah. This is, again, why we can't have nice things. No, or he can't. won't be dead for long. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Whoops. Um, rip. Pocky's dead. Rip. Um, rip. So, I don't know if this is the latest version. Four might have come out, but I didn't see it on the shelf. But Black Cloak. You were right. Still, still dig it. Yeah, you um, would. So, like I said last time, the fantasy police procedural slash sci-fi slash magical cool stuff in a future is exactly that (laughs) and um this is another book that i just dig the art in it um it's not like over the top but it's almost that like the backgrounds are more intricate than the characters yes and it's kind of neat it reminds me of old animation cells yes yeah because yeah it looks like flat colors um sitting on super detailed backgrounds 
in a lot of things and that's kind of cool but it is like this D D like future like she's chilling with a fairy um dude with like big dude with wings <laughs> um in in this book and they're like flying around and they're like checking out stuff but there's also a fairly modern love slash murder story going on here and i guess it's just like literally the head-on collision of a lot of things that i just enjoy so like if you're into that D D fantasy like like i said police procedural murder story um this is your jam and i'm not apologizing for it i'm not doing it it's a pretty no. book no one's no one's criticizing your book choices. You are judging me with your eyes. <laughs> no, I'm just judging. I'm not spending five dollars on it. It's only That's four dollars now. Shenanigans. It, the book book three is back to normal size. That may have something to do with it. I'm just saying it's it's that's all I'm saying. It's like it's not for me. <laughs> it's not for my money. <laughs> <laughs> my pocketbook said no. That's it. Because if if, if my comics are bought. <laughs> through my uh church money like uh through my church <laughs> paycheck that means i had to sit through a staff meeting or uh <laughs> right. to, for that comic if i'm djing that meant i had to play baby by justin bieber for a bunch of middle schoolers to jump up and down to and it's not worth that <laughs> carry on well now that when books make hector's list you now know the criteria I'm DJing a middle school and high school prom tomorrow night. And so I'm going to be playing stupid songs. And <laughs> like at some point you're paying that, them bills though. I'm paying the bills and I'm paying for comics and the comics I buy are at the price of like uh, Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift songs. So respect. Hey, <laughs> don't, don't do Tay Tay that way. It's not right. Um, no Taylor Swift fan calls her Tay Tay. <laughs> you, should, you should stop I, I live i live with a tatted on your chest taylor swift fan so yeah it's you know swifties or t swift or like no it's no tay tays mm, okay <laughs> turtles last ronin lost years should come as no surprise to anyone here but we're are you are you excited about the video game the video game sounds interesting and they're claiming it's going to be a God of War type style type thing. So I don't know how that plays out, but it's interesting. It sounds like it's more than rumor based on the people I've seen repeating it. Right. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, also, Sideshow released a statue that none of us can afford and all of us want, which I'm pretty impressed that Sideshow went that hardcore because that statue is also not just expensive it's huge it's a um one. and if for the for the unindoctrinated um sidebar sideshow does hyper realistic statues they're the makers of hot toys which are the most insane like saying action figure isn't fair a hot toy is a hot toy um like every imaginable joint in a hot toy moves um they are screen accurate. Uh, they are everything Sideshow does is to to escape to a specific scale as well. Um, it's not just random. They exist. And it took me years to get. I have two hot toys in my collection personally, because that figure costs two to five hundred dollars, depending on when you get them. They can cost thousands if they're super popular because they're also limited run. They're statues. I own zero of <laughs> um, because usually thousands of dollars, um, but super cool stuff. So if you want to go down a really deep rabbit hole, go find Sideshow and look through some of their cool stuff. 
this statue right here might be my most expensive. I know you can't see it like that one, but the one right under my finger, it's the, I bought the, uh, Gotham Knights, uh, collectors thing. Uh huh. And it came with a statue of, uh, <laughs> the four of them together. Oh, but like, I think the collector's edition was almost $300. Yeah. That's a cheap statue in sideshow world. Right. I'm um, like, I'm not about that life. I can't. I, we used to have people that would reserve every new sideshow that came out. And I was like, thank you for your patronage. Because <laughs> no. um, wild. Um, super cool, though. Um, but I digress. So, yeah, Last Ronin is still, you know, following the story. And now this issue was a lot more of like. Homeboys figuring stuff out on his own figuring out what comes next that so far in the last years, we've kind of bounced back and forth between literally, you know, the new turtle crew. Are you about to giggle and scream? Yes. Yes. Carry on. Finish your review. Okay, great. To be, to, to be continued. Um, yeah. So those deep seated turtle fans that are on that long journey, I think that's what's, what's cool here is we're telling a long story. Um, and I think it's neat to be able to tie back to what we already know, but to also give us a future, um, that is technically not the original four, um, that we get a look at potentially a new four and also all the connective tissues that was before and it's being really well done so far. And that literally everyone that's been involved in the turtle universe, um, from beginning to now is involved in some way. And that's why the art changes so frequently in these books as well, because it's the different folks. Um, and a handful of the different writers have been involved as well. So like there's flavor from all of what's occurred over the turtle arc. So it's just good stuff. Do I got to get through my last book before I get to find out what you were giggling about? Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> last book, I finally, Road. I finally got a copy of Phantom Road. I tried to find it and I still couldn't. I literally got the last one sitting on the shelf in my store this time. But yeah, okay. So the whole Walking Dead on the Tundra and a trucker vibe is literally all we get in the first book. But in very, very, very uh, Lemire style, there are... By the way, I saw Jeff Lemire. He's a wonderful person. He was at Galaxy Con Richmond with me. He is I a sent delight. you a picture. Yeah, of I saw it. I, I, was just, I didn't know if you were like wanted things or anything. No, no. I'm I my my prized possession from him is an original Shadow Man cover that was rejected. Um, I have on my wall that I bought the last time I saw him. Well, actually, I should say my wife, Rebecca, was flipping through his book and went that because and Jeff just looked at her and he's like, wow. And I'm like, what? And he's like, everyone flips past that. And I was like, yeah, but that's Shadow Man. And he's like, you guys are Valiant fans. And we're like, does it show? <laughs> um, he's like, yeah. And then he told the story. He's like, yeah, I did that. They commissioned me for it. And then they rejected it. And I'm like, it's really dope, though, because it's Shadow Man on top of a pile of skulls and it's all in his watercolor style. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, that that's in, that's on my living room wall. Super fun discussion during Bible study. That's all I'm going to say. Um, when new people come over, they're like, hmm, interesting. Um, but this has lots of cool 
vibes. Lemire usually does a lot of psychological stuff in his books. A lot are usually tied to traumatic. I still past. have emotional damage from Maze. There's that underwater welder is actually the one that messes with me the most. Um, and is a really good read. And you usually got to read it a few times because you're doing the, is that that, or is it this? And he's doing something similar here. Um, that the dude on the long haul truck is they show images of stuff in front of him on the road when he's just looking at nothing but the road at night. Yeah. And you kind of find out that it's parts of his past. Oh, and it's about his dad and Jeff seems to do a lot of stuff about daddy issues. Um, but that's the type of stuff I start paying attention to in these types of books because maze underwater welder, a lot of his other stuff, this, those are hints usually to stuff that's coming or something he's going to unpack. So it's not just the thing that's literally in front of you. He's usually telling two to three stories. And that's why I'm kind of curious because, um, the, he kind of falls asleep slash gets distracted on the long drive and swerves and misses a car. And there's an accident. And he gets out to help the person at the accident. And they literally see like this thing in the middle of the road and they touch it and you get a bamf and they're in the same place, but it's not the same place. And that's when the undead show up and that's what you got. That's the setup. That's the, <laughs> that's the tweet as they say. Um, because once you miss the phantom told booth, right. the phantom road. Right. And so you see one of these like undead slash things. You don't really know what they are yet. And the woman that he rescued from the car accident is with him because I guess they were like in the same place when they touched the thing you don't touch, I guess. Um, and the undead people started showing up and they're like dope. And they start getting, you know, night of the living dead zombie thing. And he gets a crowbar and he does what you do with crowbars when you are surrounded by a bunch of zombies and he beats the living crap out of like 50 zombies. And the last panel is literally both of them sitting on the back of his truck and a pile of dead zombies and a bloody crowbar. And they're like, what's next? <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Okay, you did it. You you have set me up. So Phantom Road, uh, I'm in. Now do I get to find out? Sure. <laughs> Cause I was trying really not to interrupt you. Um, a Gail Simone liked my tweet. I mean, she's Gail Simone. She's wonderful. B Gail Simone retweeted my tweet. <laughs> um, and just in the time that we've, uh, been since y'all, y'all know how much time has passed. You've been a part of this. Uh, it's <laughs> you've been, been on this magical journey of podcasts and everything else. All right, uh, just in that time, it's been seen 2,817 times. Because Gail's amazing. And then Gail followed me back. So, yippee kayak, other buckets. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you 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 hit her right in. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and when she retweeted it, she retweeted it with three hearts. Yeah, I saw so, that. Yep. So there you go. Oh, goodness. And you said to be fair in your response? I did. No, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you can't reply and be like, to be real. you can't do that. It's not okay. No. Though she does watch a lot of TV. Um, her Twitter's just amazing. You need to go follow at Gail Simone right now, by the way, while we're having this conversation. She might not align with you everything politically, but she's an awesome person. Yes. No, exactly. And no, that's one of those you just got to follow. And, and The fact that she just followed me was like, oh, 
follow her. Not because it, she followed me, but she followed an account that says Faith and Fandom that right. clearly has Jesus stuff. So, right. Okay. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hillary Fisco, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today, I'm reviewing the much-anticipated movie Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves from Paramount Pictures and Allspark Pictures. As a role-playing family, we didn't want to get our hopes up too high heading into the theater, but it quickly became clear that writer-director team John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein appreciate the game as much as we do. The great news is, you don't need any prior knowledge of the game to have fun at this movie, but it did set the exact tone we were hoping for as D&D fans taking the source material seriously while not taking itself seriously. Elaborate details help the movie world seem believable rather than spoofy. The costumes, set design, and characters respected the high fantasy setting with plenty of game references to enjoy. My 16-year-old kept leaning over to whisper excitedly about Divine Sense, Tabaxi, Misty Step, and Drift Globes. Being used to the pen and paper game, it was also entertaining for us to see how the action sequences reflected each party member's distinct strengths and abilities, from the barbarian's rage, to the druid's versatility, to the bard's resourcefulness. My family described the movie as Guardians of the Galaxy meets Lord of the Rings, influenced by Monty Python, but somehow it also ended up way more family-friendly than I anticipated. The few romantic relationships were respectful, healthy, and pure, and not at all the focus of the movie. A handful of jump scares, mild language, and some frightening, intense moments kept our youngest adventurer from attending, but this immersive romp was worth us seeing a second time. No spoilers, but when the bard's big distraction scene began again, my husband laughed so hard in anticipation he started choking. I'm Hilary Fisco, and if you're in the mood for an action, fantasy, adventure buddy heist picture with plenty of comedic moments, You don't have to be familiar with Dungeons & Dragons to thoroughly enjoy Honor Among Thieves. If you'd like to follow along as I balance our homeschool life with encouraging, empowering, and educating through my small business, you can find me posting and teaching on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at KYRedheadMK and streaming periodically on Twitch as KYRedhead. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. All right, so we talking about new number ones? Absolutely. Hit, a, hit, guide us into the end of the show with a with an amazing new number one that people should read. Uh, on this one, I heard a lot of hubbub about uh, heading into it, but this is the Neighbors from Boom Studios. Boom has not let me down a lot lately. And tell me, what's the back cover? This remind you of hmm. like aesthetic. This is the same aesthetic text and uh, color scheme of Judas. Oh, interesting. Right. Um, So uh, this is a comic where uh, starts off showing you a tree with a dead body and then saying what they really should have done is looked at what was beneath the what was under the dirt, not at the dead body on top. Ooh. And uh, but basically a new couple or not a new couple, but a young couple has moved into a house next to some super, uber duper creepy neighbors, like Adam's family vibes. Uh, 
Um, and but they're telling you this body is, and they tell you the body that they find is one of the main characters right up front. Oh, interesting. Like they, because they say if you no one would have looked at this body and thought you know this is this person, but there's more to the story beneath it. Um, and but basically, there's a lady doing some witchcraft in the yard. So the family consists of uh, a young little girl who's very playful, a teenage girl who is bitter, a mom, and the mom's spouse. Now, I want to approach this extremely respectfully, but I also get confused on how to say things properly sometimes. Um, uh, the other person in the family is a, a woman that identifies as a man. So to say that in the proper term, uh, so she's a trans man, correct? That is my understanding. Um, I just don't want to say that wrong. Uh, either way, um, but apparently when the they tell you this in the story is that uh, the teenage girl's mother her left their their previous marriage for a woman who then transitioned after the marriage. So, and the kids like, do you have, have I, any idea how psychologically damaging this whole scenario has been to me as a child? And so, like, they're cracking jokes about it throughout the book. Um, like the teenagers just like very animositous towards the person. Um, and like, there's just a lot going on with the family dynamic, but the entire time, uh, there's creepy stuff happening. And then there just comes a panel. I'm gonna try and drop this in here. The young teenage girl is, uh, sitting on her front porch and take a look at that guy right there. Okay. This dude shows up on the front porch and says, uh, I'm here. Your mom asked me to come do work. Middle of the night, uh, uh, <laughs> and then she's like, "Please leave," and he's like, "Nah." <laughs> and um, so she goes inside and shuts the door, and she leaves her phone. And so he's just like, uh, "Just let me in. I want to give you your phone back." <laughs> and so look, creepy phoneage. He's like, "Let me in." So in that process, uh, he gets his hand on her. Now the entire time, this teenage girl has been like mean sassy grumpy rare the whole time creepy dude gets his hands on her rips her out of the front door takes her into the woods screaming parents come running down the stairs looking for her trying to chase her trying to find her and the parent sees her being dragged under the ground by these creatures can't help runs back to the house calling for help saying, Hey, the kid's gone. This happened. And the kid, a different version of the kid is sitting in the living room with the creepy, like, hi, everything's fine. <laughs> face. Sure. And it, it, it ends right there. Hold on. I need to show you the face. Cause the face is dope. Um, <sighs> yeah, that's not okay. And so the kid that's been like the angsty teenager the whole time is just like, <laughs> so uh good story. Like if this was a movie, I'd be set. All right, let's go. So interesting storyline. Um, this is probably one of the first uh, major uh, studio books that I've seen really talking about uh, trans characters mm. in like a, you know, open dialogue about their families and everything else. So it's, it was an interesting read for that. And um, as well, but yeah, so there's that. Interesting. Carry on. 
So as I was looking through number ones to pick up, there are a lot of number ones. I mean, granted, I put number ones on my on my thing, but um, this is the one that I didn't quite expect. And that's Hellcat. Dude, I thought about that. Numero uno. I picked it up. I put it back. I walked around and I picked it up again. Because the number of times that Marvel writes about Patsy Walker is not that much. No. And, and I remember when Hellcat rebooted like rec- like yeah. maybe eight years ago. Yep. And um, our friend DJ Spider was on a variant cover. Yep. And that series was fun, but kind of like She-Hulk during the same era, which it crossed in and out of because they're friends and stuff. Yeah. Just didn't survive for whatever reason. Um, Which is unfortunate because did Tomasi do both or just She-Hulk? I don't remember. In that era, I don't remember. But it was that vibe, right? And it was really good. And Hellcat's a fairly old character in general. Um you you might have guessed that because they didn't they haven't tried to update her name and i dig that as well is uh patricia um still is who she is but this entire book is what would happen if tom king wrote a hellcat story um and i'm not i i hate being that dang it don't tell yeah, me yeah i hate to be that way but at the same time i kept reading this going Tom would absolutely tell this story. So I don't know if that was done on purpose or if it was just what it was, but basically the very first part of this book, you come into this look of Patsy and it says, am I good? And then the next page is, or am I bad? And guess what? We're going to be all up inside Patsy Walker's head. Basically the rest of this book. They just walked into the Marvel bullpen. All right. Tom's not coming back. <laughs> Tom's people. not here, but we need Tom. We've been suffering since Tom left. Look what happened with WandaVision. And all right, who's up? Even the art style is very similar. Oh, that's dude. That's hundred percent. Something Tom King would right. Like, the, like this is, this is the whole thing. And basically why you get the good versus bad question is the beginning. Of this is, there's literally a pile of what's left of a person in a room and they're arresting Hellcat for said murder. So again, like I said, <laughs> I've read this book, um, but I haven't. And so why it sits on my list isn't because it's an emulation. It's because it's good so far um, right. that they're doing a really good job of getting inside of who Hellcat is as a teenager slash young adult. Um, Cause. Oh, it's that kind of time. Yeah. I want to say probably just post-college. So maybe early twenties. Um, okay, okay. And it's like, I'm at the parties with my, f- with my famous friends. And, um, but I grew up in a small dopey town and people know, cause another thing is most people know who Hellcat is, um, that she's another like she Hulk that it's kind of, everyone kind of knows from my recollection, at least that's how they're kind of playing it so far. Um, okay. but there's also what they're going back and forth through is flashbacks to her childhood and how her father treated her. Um, so yeah, I guess most of half two of Chris's polls are daddy issue books. Um, but this is doing a really good job. Kind of like other King books of looking at the psychology side of it. There is a whodunit piece of 
because they do kind of allude to the fact of, yeah, I kind of get blackout drunk and do stupid things when people piss me off. Um, and that's not me editorializing. Like that's part of this story is that that's one of her demons. Um, in dealing with some of her past is that she drinks too much. And I think they even got into that in she Hulk and some of the other stuff that they did. Um, right. But she's like, I can't like literally liquefy a dude. <laughs> um, so part of it is it's all of that wrapped into that whole thing and figuring it out. So that's where I sit there and go, well, bravo. Um, Marvel, you you've it's, it's been done but this is yours to screw up. Um, and the, f the first outing is solid. So I'm here for it. Already sounds better than doctor or not doctor strange or strange world. Fair enough. So yeah, those, those were all those things. And I, I think that's actually going to do it. Is that going to do it? Yep. We did it. Gail it. said anything else. <laughs> oh no. Hold on. Let's see. <laughs> So we have to check before we close out so the world can know. Um, <laughs> the people that are going to passionately care about. <laughs> about about Hector or Chris randomly tweeting Gail Simone. Um, nope. All right. That's You'll it. have to wait till next time to find out on the continuing but story. It has been seen 5,000 times now. I mean, Gail. 24 minutes. That's not too shabby. Gail, okay. Gail got reach. Cool. Yep. So. That's going to do it for us here at the Polish Podcast. Uh, episode 84 is now in the books and in your ears and in your eyeballs and on the YouTubes in the future. Not yet because we're not live, but we will. We be. will be someday. We say it with confidence. Yeah, sure. If we say it with confidence, it'll happen. Um, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. Um, I can't. I have to do it with that guy. Um, he has to do it with me sometimes. Sometimes Todd. Um, sometimes other people. We love Todd. Yeah. Um, all the folks at LTN and yeah, so we are part of the love that nerd podcast network. So be sure to check that out. Go to love nerd.com. You can find some other shows. You can check out all of our backlog and maybe you'll find something cool over there that you haven't started listening to yet. Uh, also check out the LTN radio app. There you go. Cause now you can push it up on the phone and click it, a click it and listen to stuff. Um, but most and foremost, Hector and I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging, rate and review the show, leave comments. You can find us on just about every podcasting place out there. We're on the Stitcher radio, the Spotify, the iTunes, the, I believe we're on the LTN radio app. Um, I, I, I hope so. We're part of the network. Matt, get on that. Um, write that down. Um, he's like I've been on that yeah, he, yeah it's fine you, so you'll find us out there but genuinely thanks welcome back this is the Polis Podcast remember kids read more comics I'm gonna take all seven continents of the game of risk the master of epic duels I can fit